Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. How many of you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. So thankful for that. Good to see you today. We love our friends at City Serve. Thank you for helping us uh, resource them and work alongside of them. We do that um, every single week. And so uh, thank you, thank you for all the ways that you help us resource them. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12 today if you have your Bible or your Bible app. And uh, just as a, a reminder, last week we set up. Um, a series that we're going to do all month together across the state and all of our campuses called Rooted. And so uh, we started last week by talking about the importance of protecting and guarding the root system, that from the root comes the fruit. And so if the root is poor, the fruit is poor too. And so uh, today I am going to dig down into a specific root. Um, Today I will tell you is uh, a very personal message, meaning that um, it is going to be for you as an individual. It is uh, the way I want you to hear this is it's not for the person beside you. It's not for your spouse. It's not for a friend. It's not for a coworker. It's not for someone that you could share the link to later. It's for you. And so I want you to filter it through the lens of how does this apply to my own life? And so I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read two verses together here about a specific root here. It says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. I love that part. And that... No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let me read that last sentence again. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I'll tell you this today, that bitterness is always looking for a way to get into our our lives. We experience throughout our lifespan disappointments and hurt and discouragement. And some of those are tethered to circumstances and some of those are tethered to specific people. And that makes it even worse because oftentimes we're in relationship with those people. We have relational equity with them. We want things to go well. We want people to be happy. We want people to get along with each other. And when they don't, we have a large potential to be hurt by that. So if we don't deal with what life gives us well, if we don't deal with that hurt, and that discouragement, and that disappointment, and that circumstance, or that someone, if we don't deal with that well, 
in our lives, then bitterness tends to find a way in. It's like leaving the door open or leaving a window up. It just creates a great opportunity for something to come into our lives that we do not want. And a bitter root is very personal. It's not like just watching something go down in somebody else's life. And we have developed a strong culture of voyeurism. We, we love watching someone else mess up or someone else's mistake. And we look at that and we compare it and we go, well, at least I didn't do that. But bitterness is not something that we're just going to watch and observe and, and see or look on Facebook and, and see it. No, it's something that you experience and you feel personally. I think most of us have lived long enough to get a taste of that disappointment. When I was in second grade, my best friend Sam stole my girl. Her name was Stephanie. Called her Steph for short. I later found out that she became a student at Harding in the 90s, and so I went over there looking for her to, to make it right. And I couldn't find her, but I found a car where the license plate said Steph. So I flattened all the tires on it just to, just to get back at her. I hope it was her. Um, I read this week that almost 70% of Americans say that they're actively holding a grudge. 70%. If that's true, man, that, that's a lot of people with a lot of angst about something that happened in their life. Holding on to a, a grudge. They, they see somebody. They go to a certain place, and they, they get feelings about it. 70%. It could be higher. Just last week, I also read a silly article about a man who was still upset at Arby's for something that happened in 2017. I mean, how long can you be mad? I cannot be mad at a beef and cheddar. Right? They are too good to stay mad at for five years. You can't do it. But if we get into seriousness of this, may, maybe some of you, especially in your early years, your, identify, your identifiable years that, that you, were, you were looking for I, identity, may, maybe you were passed up. And so you thought you were talented or gifted in a certain area, but nobody else saw it and you were passed up. Maybe it was the athleticism in your life. And so you thought you were good at a certain sport, and you show up, and you're trying to prove your ability, but you get passed up. And instead of being a starter, you became someone who just had a jersey. Whatever it is, you, you showed up with an expectation, and you were passed up. Maybe in your adult years, you were passed up for promotion, passed up for more responsibility. And that situation planted a seed of bitterness in your life. And you are upset at a person of authority, a coach or a teacher or a, a boss. Maybe someone broke your heart at some point in your life and you still to this day, you carry that around and it has place in you. Somehow a bitter root sprung out from a circumstance or a someone. But it gets worse because there's something called family hurt. Family hurt stings the worst because it's coming from a, a, a sacred place, a place where you're supposed to feel safe, a place where people have seen you at your best, they've seen you at your worst, 
They've seen you when you get up in the morning before you put yourself together. They know all of your secrets. They know your weaknesses. And when people who know all of that somehow come out with a situation that burns you, sometimes you don't recover from it. There's the betrayal of a friend. Sometimes when it comes to loyalty and trust and that is broken, it's irreparable. And you cut ties with people that you've been with for decades, friendship-wise. I trusted them, but now I don't. The situation revealed their true character, or maybe it revealed yours. And for whatever reason between the two of you is a bitter root. You want it gone, you don't know how, you just know it's there. It's odd for you, it creates tension for you, it has mental real estate in you. And this is a major theme throughout Scripture. There's a lot of bitter folks between these pages. But these experiences, they produce bitter root in us. And unfortunately, a bitter root produces bitter fruit. And the Bible takes it a step further and calls it poisonous. And so whatever has come from the unseen soil of our life has pulled up all the way through our being, extends into the canopy of our existence or a reality, and from that reality it can be shared with other people. And it is bitterness, and it is poisonous, and it's awful, and because of that it affects your reputation, it affects that people want to hang out with you, it affects your spirituality, it affects your marriage, it affects the lens by which you raise your children. Children, bitter root, bitter fruit, poisonous fruit. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 18, he says this, I am making this covenant with you so that no one among you will turn away and worship these other gods of other nations and so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. He said, listen, I want you to be able to see it. I want you to identify it. I want you to be careful of it. These are not pagans he's talking to. He said, I want you to be careful. I want you to know that this is a possibility for believers to get bitterness in their life, and that bitterness can take hold, and it can grow, and slowly and stealthily work its way through your entire being until one day you look up and you have produced poisonous fruit in your life that you want to get rid of, but it's so deep into the soil. A bitter root is why Cain killed Abel. That, that, that rejection that you bypassed me and you blessed him, but you're not going to bless me. Well, I can do away with him. And a murder took, took place. It, that, that, that bitter root is why Joseph's brothers sold him. You're going to go around us, you're going to elevate him, and you're going to tell him that his life is going to be blessed. And he comes and tells us that we're going to bow down to him. Well, we can do away with him. That fear of rejection, of being passed by, of someone else's better, of God's favor on someone else and not on your own life. Just bitterness. This is the root that finds its way through Scripture. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Alone. Anybody ever, ever watched that? It's amazing. It's addictive. If you watch one, get ready because you're going to watch 50 of them. 
Chris Sensel got me started on this years ago, and the premise of the show was this. I said, what's it all about? He said, well, they take these people and they just drop them off in the middle of nowhere to just survive. And I said, that doesn't sound fun at all. He said, oh, it's awful for them, but it's awesome for you to watch it. And so basically they drop these people off by themselves. They don't have any contact, and they all get a satellite phone. And if they call for help for any reason at all, they're, they're disqualified. And on that, that show, there's one guy, he's, he's barely dropped off. It's the first night. It's only been a couple of hours, and he's trying to make some makeshift shelter, and he sees a bear in the woods. And he calls for help. I mean, in two hours, he taps out. I've never felt more connected to somebody on TV than that guy. <laughs> right? But the thing about this show, what, what you will learn on it or any other show that's dealing with, with nature and animals is this. If you see one wolf, there's more. Because they travel in packs. And bitterness travels the exact same way. Bitterness has a friend. It's a gang. It's a group of them. And none of them are happy, and none of them are healthy, and they all come together in one pod. And Paul shows us this in Ephesians. I want you to go there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. I'm going to show it to you here. This is what it says. Let all bitterness, watch, and wrath and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you with all malice. So Paul says, listen, bitterness is going to come in through the front door, and before you can even shut it, you're going to have wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice all sitting on your couch with their feet on your coffee table. That this group of, of rebels comes all together. They love feeding off of each other. They are very close. They are very tight. They are very loyal. And Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, again, you are believers. You have made a life change, but be careful. If you let one in, they're all coming. I want you to write this down this morning because I want to show you three quick and easy ways to just assess where your life is right now this morning with bitterness. Do you have it? What's going on? How much is there? And it has to start with this. The first thing is to listen to the words coming out of your mouth. What is your mouth saying? Because it is a clear indicator of something that's coming from a much deeper place. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, A good man brings good things out of the, go out of the good stored up where? Come on, say it. In his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up where? And from the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. One version says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth doth speak. Whatever is down in that root system, whatever is under the soil, whatever is in the deep recesses of your life, have a way of quickly coming up through your being and out your mouth, and you are declaring it and speaking it 
to yourself, to your close friends, to your children, to your spouse, to the people that you're having lunch with, to the people you worship with. Bitterness has a way of exploding from the heart and onto the scene of reality through the power that's held in our tongue. So listen to what you've been saying. What have your conversations been like? Jesus is saying that our words are a great thermometer for what's happening in our heart. He's saying, if you really want to know what's in there, I know you can't see it, and I know you can't see beneath the soil very well, but if you will just pay attention to the words coming out of your mouth, it is going to be a clear indicator of what is in there. I have not withheld this from you over the years. I have I've shared many times with you that we've had some terrible ministry experiences before. And not just when we were in leadership, just attending church. Sometimes church can be messy. You're bringing people from all kinds of backgrounds and, 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 and issues and beliefs even. There are all kinds of layers of belief in this room. We're not all in the same mind. And when you get those people together and you ask them to be expressive and you ask them to get close and you ask them to forge friendships, sometimes ugly things can happen. But I've seen pastors make awful decisions and fall morally. I've seen churches split, I kid you not, over the color of a carpet. I've seen people fight in the parking lot, like just had worship service and went outside and fought in the parking lot. And it's embarrassing. Some of the things that have happened in churches, and I'm not by myself in here. You've seen those things too. And it's embarrassing to talk about what people have done under, under the roof of Christianity before. And so watching that, being a part of it, experiencing it, being the target of it, there was a season in my life where, and I'll speak for Robbie too, there was a season in our lives where that affected us and it manifested in the form of bitterness. So we begin to ask ourselves things like, I mean, do we really want to be in the ministry? Do we? Can we, can, can we not just take like any skill set we have right now and just apply it to somewhere else? Can we not do that? Do we really want to be around those people anymore? Hard questions, but you've asked yourself the same things when you've seen circumstances. Do we really want to go over there? Do we really want to, want to do that? And so without even knowing it, this is what happened. I was still preaching, but bitter. Still baptizing people, but bitter. Still serving communion, still taking communion, but bitter. And I didn't realize it, but my speech was beginning to change, and the way I thought was beginning to change, and my behavior was beginning to change, and the people in my life were beginning to change. And so it all happens again. It's very slow. It's never like, like a light switch. It's something quiet, and it's very solemn, and it's sneaky, and it comes up into your life without you knowing. It's like one day you just get this epiphany that you've got fruit growing in your life. How in the world did this come from nutrients in the soil of my own life? How did I get to this place of being so bitter? 
I was working with a couple one time in counseling, and I could not have a breakthrough. I felt like I wasn't getting any traction. I was frustrated. I, I felt like there were things that weren't being disclosed, and I, so we couldn't process them. We could not work on them. And so finally, I'm, I'm working, and, and, and we're, we're there together, and we're talking, and finally the husband just stops. He kind of just hits his, hits his hand just slightly enough to get my attention, and he says, do you want to know why I, I am, I'm in such just angst here? I said, yeah, please, tell me. He said, because she thinks I'm stupid. And I said, why, why do you think that? And he said, because she told me that. I was like, well, that's pretty clear. <laughs> but what I found out is behind that statement was an entire belief system that he had created from it, meaning this. He felt like, if I've got anything of wisdom to share with my kids, I can't share it. Why? Because I'm stupid. He would go to work and he would stop giving input and creativity. He would sit in meetings and not say a word. Why? Because he had filtered that through this lens of don't say anything in that meeting because you're stupid. That somehow this bitterness turned into a belief and that belief created a behavior that now was, was working its way. Just the roots of that had bubbled up in many, many areas of, of his life. And this can happen to every single one of us, even as a believer. That if we're not careful, we get this bitterness in our life that carries over to something that we believe. We believe that that person hates us. We believe that they're somewhere in the world wringing their hands trying to work out a maniacal plan to get us. That, that somehow that person is going to get the advantage in our, our lives. And, and we just give them real estate and more and more and more until we're just overcome by it. And from our heart, we start to speak out their name and the situation and poison just pours out. And maybe it's not, not to everybody. Maybe it's a select group. Maybe it's just to yourself. You've heard of people saying, man, you know what you're doing? You're killing yourself. You're killing yourself. The words that are coming out of your heart. The second thing, are you watching reruns? A kids today, they don't know what a rerun is. If you're my age, you do. It was Friday night. You got your Totina's pizza rolls. You're sitting on the couch. You're, you're watching reruns. A rerun is when they couldn't make content enough. There wasn't a Netflix. There wasn't uh, an Apple TV. There wasn't streaming. There wasn't something you could just go and have 10,000 movies. You had five channels, and, and a lot of them were not creating content, and so you would go and you would watch a rerun. And this is what happens Oftentimes when we get bitterness, we play the scene over and over and over in our head. John Acuff calls this a soundtrack. So imagine the old cassettes, and you know, you know what? You put it in, you press play, it runs, it stops when it's over, and now you're managing it. You're going over, you're, you're flipping it, you're pressing play, the B-side is going, and, 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 and you work a while, or you live life a while, or you mow the yard, and you come back and you flip it. And the whole time you're just rerunning and rerunning and rerunning, and you're, and you're going through emails and conversations and text threads and what they said and what you think they said. One time we had a, a lady who was very upset with us, and she wrote me a letter, and that letter came in the mail. 
And it was very, you know, it was relatively thick. I knew it was going to be a three-pager. And we decided together, Robbie and I, to shred it. And here's why. Because I knew it was going to be full of poison. I knew that whatever that letter was about to say, I was going to deal with for weeks, maybe months, maybe even now today, I'd still be dealing with the hurt that that letter communicated. So I decided in my own life, I'm not even going to expose myself to the toxicity that is about to pour out of that envelope. And I'll tell you the same thing. If you're keeping nasty text threads on your phone and it's within your power to get that stuff out of your life, do it. Go through your emails. Get rid of that stuff. Don't make it an article of affection. Get rid of it. It's toxic. Why make it a rerun? Why go through it again? Why, why screenshot it and save it just so you can late at night when you're not sleeping go through it over and over and over again? Are you giving room to reruns? Because if you are, you may have a better route. You may have something that's wanting to thrive. It's needing more content. It's needing to see it again. It's needing to live it again. It's wanting to pull that out of the soil. It's wanting to push it to the canopy of your life. It's wanting to make fruit that's going to fall to the ground. It's wanting to produce. And Paul's saying, come on, be careful. Third and last, are the people around you bitter? Again, bitterness loves company. It travels in packs. Every morning before you leave your home, most of you take a last glimpse in the mirror to make sure you've given it your best shot. And this is what your friendships are like. They are a reflection of what's going on with you a lot of times. I don't know if you've ever noticed how a gang operates or, or, a, or a tight group of people who don't allow anybody else in. If one person is mad, they're all mad. That's the, the dedication piece. If one person is relaxed, they all relax. If one person in the group becomes bitter, they're all bitter. If they, they wait on the cue of one person to set everything else in motion. And this is what can happen with friendships. We quickly run to that group of people and we spill it all and we get it all out. And what, what we're really saying is, I want you to be mad with me. I want you to be bitter with me. I want you to be upset with me. And they don't want any feedback. They don't want any accountability for their words. All they want is, is an applause. All they want is for someone to say, I'm with you. Let's go get them. I don't know if you've ever known or looked at where I, I didn't know I had to look look it up, but I was curious as to that phrase, chip on, on your shoulder. That guy's got a chip on his shoulder. Where that came from? Well, the origin of that is from the 1800s. People looking to pick a fight with somebody, troublemakers, they said would take a small piece of something, a piece of, of dust or dirt or a chip of wood, and they would place it on their shoulder and rub it in and make it stick in their clothes or whatever. They would walk through town, and a gentleman would come up to him and say, Sir, you're on your shoulder is... They would try to help them, and they would go to brush off the chip on their shoulder, and that would be enough for a fight. Like... That guy put his hands on me. I was just defending myself, but that guy was looking for trouble. It was a trap. 
And this is what we do sometimes. We look for people to be mad with us. We want a large group to have a chip on our shoulder. We develop support groups around it. The everyone mad at so-and-so group. This is what bitterness does. It makes you socialize with bitterness. So when you're looking for the fruit of bitterness in in your life, you may want to take a look at the people around you. Am I passing it off to my spouse? Am I making my kids bitter? Am I making people I worship with bitter? I can tell you there are seasons in my life where I was bitter and I went to the person who is the safest place in the world for me, my wife, and I told her, hey, so-and-so or this or that, and then the next day, so-and-so this and that, and the next day, so-and-so this or that. And I can tell you, it's tiresome. It's weary. And that has come back to me before by her going, listen, you got to go get this dealt with. The underlying statement of that is, I'm sick of hearing about it. But it's you, you've got to deal with this. You've got to go pray with this. You've got to make it right. This has got, got to be healed. Why? Because we tend to just back a dump truck up to the people who we love and just get it all out, the bitterness. And Paul tells us how to start this process of dealing with bitter roots, and he ties it to how we ourselves are forgiven. And he tells us this in Hebrews, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. You all know it from the little, the little jingle you learned in Sunday school. But he says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then he turns it on them and he says, just as God in Christ forgave you. This is, this is the beginning of letting go of bitterness, is to open your hand, okay? This doesn't mean that you have to be, this is a different sermon in and of itself. This does not mean that you've got to act like nothing happened. It doesn't mean that you've got to, you've got to be a fool and, and tether yourself to that person anymore, no. But it does mean this, I'm going to open my hand and make a way for healing to start. I don't have to trust. I don't have to be loyal in this. I've just got to forgive. I've got to make a way. I've got to open a door for the Holy Spirit to get in this and and attack this root system that has developed in my life. Let me close with this. Again, throughout this book, story after story of bitterness, of people who were upset, and there's no better group to look at than God's people in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, they come to this place where they're needing a a drink of water. Okay, keep in mind, almost every theologian believes that it's at least a million plus people. They're coming for a drink of water, and they come to this place called Mara, and they named it Mara because there was a little creek there. And they went up to drink from this, this creek to fill canteens and all whatever they had. And the water was bitter. And they had just been singing and rejoicing and thanking God about not having to answer to Pharaoh and being free. And this turned quickly. It turned from revival to rebellion in just a few moments because they started demanding, you better find us some water. Moses goes to God and he says, listen, I need your help. And the scripture says that God showed him 
a tree. It says he gave him a piece of wood and he said, take this and throw it into the water. And the bitter water became sweet and easy to drink. And if you've got this much theology in you, you know where I'm going with this because this is a beautiful type and shadow of Jesus Christ. That there was a piece of wood and on that piece of wood was attached all the healing that you and I will ever need, all the forgiveness that we're ever going to need. And the metaphor here is take the work of the cross and apply it to the bitterness, the bitter roots of your life. And your bitter will become sweet to drink. It can turn your marriage. It can turn a friendship. It can turn the perception you have of yourself. Your identity, it can speak to all of that. When you take the incredible work of Jesus and apply it to the bitter roots of your life, healing comes. And this is one of those things that's not like a practical procedural thing. Like you can't just go to your MD and go, hey, um, I've got bitterness. What do you got? You know? No, this is a spiritual thing and it comes with a spiritual application and it starts at the cross. And sometimes bitterness breaks just like that and sometimes bitterness is a process. Either way, let the healing begin. Take the work of the cross and throw it into your Mara. Place it into the areas of your life that are bitter. Over that person, over that church, over that situation. And let that water become drinkable. What does that mean, Kevin? It means that something that was really bad suddenly becomes life-giving. It becomes wisdom. It becomes a point of restoration and reconciliation. It creates maturation in your faith. It generates growth for you. It moves you forward. It gets you past it. And suddenly something that was so painful to think about is now something that fuels what's ahead of you. That's what the cross will do. I want you to bow your heads with me really quick. I'm out of time. And I want you to just look at your heart for just a second. Just take a look. And you say to me, Kevin, somewhere in there is a bitter root. And you don't have to know the details. You don't have to know all the when and the where. You don't have to know everything about it. You don't have to understand it. But you know that occasionally, man, it pops out of your mouth. And you share it with those closest to you. It's produced some version of bitter fruit in your life. And you say, Kevin, I want the cross work of Jesus to be applied to every bitter place in me 
Will you just raise your hand in this room today? Will you just lift it up? Amen, amen, yeah. Thank you, God. Anybody all across the building? Anybody else today? Kevin, that's me, yeah. Anybody else? Man, thank you. Thank you. Father, you see the genuineness in the room today. And I just pray against a bitter root. God, when you look at us, you see the depths of us, there is no mystery in you. And I pray today, just as Moses sat out in the dry place and said, help me. God, we ask you right now to make bitter waters sweet. God, we come to you with every hurt, family hurt, friend hurt, church hurt, work hurt, all of it. We say, God, please apply the incredible work of Jesus Christ to my life in every area, areas I can't see, all the blind spots, all the things that are just so wrapped up in my personality and identity. God, would you just heal every bitter root in the room today? Start the process. Let us be honest with ourselves before you. And do what only you can do, Lord. Bring spiritual healing to a spiritual hurt. And we thank you and give you great praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand all across the room today? We're about to worship. And as we do, I want to encourage you. There's tables in the back. They have prayer cards on them. There's communion. You can use this time to, to move about. Please have freedom. Go back there and get communion for your family. Write a prayer card down. We pray over those every week. And so just make yourself comfortable. Just, just move and, and have freedom. Okay, but let's just worship. And if this was you today, well, these next two songs that we're about to sing, just receive from God. Just, let, just receive from the Lord. Open your life up and let him pour in healing today. Amen.